Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Rogue Rebels podcast. I am Sal, and I am here, and I am not done talking about how awesome Ronan is. So, it's my podcast, and I get to do what I want. But I'm not just going to talk about it by myself, because it would just me. That's that's kind of what I do yelling around the house when I'm vacuuming. Anyway, so... I have a very, very special guest, the author of Ronin, Emma Mieko Kandon. Hello. Hello. I am here. You invited me and I arrived. I did. It was like this, like I reached out through the, like, I reached out through the, the black current. Yeah. And, oh. and, <laughs> and, 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 and I called out beyond the yeah. mirror and it was awesome. <laughs> Um, you found me. I did. Thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot to me. I, if you were a person that's in my life on a daily basis, you would know that I was really digging this book throughout my read of it. Um, how are things in your land? Oh, they're they're good. They're they're busy as as heck, which is the sort of like delightful magic of actually having like a moment where we could connect. My cat is playing underneath my feet. I can feel him right there. Nice. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, no, I've got revisions going for my next book. I've got moving. <laughs> okay. We're trying to get out of this apartment into a house. Wow. And the holidays are descending upon all of us. Yes, I, so, I noticed that the other day when all yeah. of a sudden I was like, "Oh no!" Like it oh. is November. <laughs> Today is November, y'all. This this pen, pen this panini is crazy. Uh, uh oh, it has been it has been a time. This has been a strange two years. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that you are like working, working, building magical things because. <laughs> I have just so happened to be a person that enjoyed your last magical thing. Okay. Uh, just real quick, I'm going to hit everybody with the business. You can check us out at theroguerebels.com. Go like our Facebook page. Uh, just do it. Uh, we are The Rogue Rebels on Instagram and TikTok. Hello, fellow teenagers and younglings. We are oh, on gosh. TikToks. I, I, yeah. do not, I don't do the dances, but just come like us anyway. Uh, and I, no, that, that's not, that is incorrect. We are Rogue Rebels Fam on Twitter. Okay. So yeah, good times. We have been doing lots of podcasts. I know I don't like to call it like Star Wars downtime. Oh, look, there's no shows or no movies. No, my friends, there are books. Like War of the Bounty Hunters is happening right now. The High Republic is happening. There is no Star Wars downtime in the Rogue Rebels household. So, uh, now that I've yelled at all the listeners, uh, Emma, where can people yeah. find you on the interwebs? Okay, so I am Emma Kandon on Twitter. So that's E-M-M-A-C-A-N-D-O-N. And on uh, Instagram and Tumblr, and now also TikTok, thanks to some Gen Z folks in the Star Wars who are helping me because I'm in my 30s now and therefore grandma. <laughs> they're, they're helping me figure that out. Um, but on all of those three sites, I'm E.M. Candon, so just M. Candon. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm having fun chatting with people now and again when I 
sleep from my work and go, <laughs> somebody talk to me. I'm yeah. procrastinating. Hey, uh, I don't want to do something right now. Ask me anything. Optimally, they will like talk to me for a bit and then gently bully me back to whatever I'm supposed to be doing. <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm probably like the worst person to be in your ear on that because I have been following along on your like Twitter threads oh. about like representation <laughs> or like what you're you like take mm -hmm. one little. Hey, this is about my artistic interpretations and that inspirations for Ronin. And then I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Let it never stop. <laughs> Of course, you have real work and life to get back to, but hey, I do. Uh, every <laughs> random pocket friend on Twitter is not worried about that. Like, Look at this. Look at how awesome is that? I love that thing. Um, so, well, I'm yeah. glad you've been enjoying them because they're fun to write. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping to do a more in-depth one of that aesthetic one in particular, because I think it would really benefit from pictures. Right. Um, right. So like if I can do that in like essay format where I can get into a little more stuff about like Japanese gardens, which are actually really interesting. Mm. Um, and also about the way that like seasons are used in the aesthetics of classic literature in Japan, which is something I sort of cheekily slotted into Ronin. Right. I think <laughs> I've, I've heard you on a few podcasts. I listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. Yeah. Hey, surprise. Uh, <laughs> Flashing news, Star Wars podcaster listens to a bunch of other Star Wars podcasts. But I heard you talking about like a few of the things, like the seasonal sort of things. And um, I don't remember on whose podcast it was, but I do. I am enjoying hearing you out there in the world, like, and me it, it, taking all that in and being like, oh, I read that part and I totally liked that part. And I didn't know that about, you know, whatever it was that I didn't know about, because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. Yay. <laughs> Yay! But that is that is something really, really cool. I know like the last episode of not the last episode, but the episode you did with Pink Milk was yeah. really, really, really a lot of that was a fun listen. So pot it oh, forward, y'all. Share those podcasts. Go ahead and check them out if you haven't uh checked out their podcast. That that's a really they do a really good job of like, hey man, we're a Star Wars podcast, but we also talk about real life stuff. And I love that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have had some like really good touchstones from which they're coming from like pink milk you know obviously it's focusing on the experience of being queer in the world mm -hmm. and there's a pretty significant intersection of that with Ronan but like other people are coming from the perspective of like oh yeah no I teach like I'm an English teacher in high school and so let's talk about literature and Shakespeare and like the cross-section of Star Wars and like it's sort of mythological melodramatic drama mm -hmm. and the way mm -hmm. that's like actually so good as a means by which for people to start like get their footing in literature uh and like other people are know way more about kurosawa than i do <laughs> which is amazing and like okay i can talk about more about the context in which he was working than about his work in itself but right, there's just right. a lot of richness there so yeah yeah, no, I, I love it when people are coming like from here's what I'm bringing to the table with my experience of this book. And I'm like, cool, we will meet somewhere here and it will be good. Awesome. And like all of that, like all of that stuff, it like, like from the, from the artistry to the, like the Japanese, like historical stuff to the aesthetics, to the Star Wars influences slash like going backwards somehow like all that stuff adds up to make something really cool like that kind of envisions 
it worked out really well as well. <laughs> but I personally was like blown away by, okay, like you have this little 10 minute short about this dude who comes to town, like Rex shop, and then like gives up a piece of crystal and it's like, peace. <laughs> and like you built this world from that. And that to me is like the creative See, remember the thing I was saying about words? Like, it's it just blows me away that you built this out of, I don't want to say it's like a commercial for this, but that's what it feels like sometimes. Um, it, it's like a small piece and you were able to expand and extrapolate into something so deep, so uh, rich, the, the galaxy that you built, you know? And I just think that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I um... guess there's not a question there. Okay, I don't know where I was going. Yeah, no, thank you. Um... I like as I've been doing all these podcasts and you know talking to people and unpacking the book and um a lot of it because you know it was like pre-release so it was like no spoilers uh right, because right. also people are really good about keeping their podcasts no spoilers. Yes. Um and now that like we're more in the spoiler friendly territory of like someone please ask me back so I can talk about things. There's more to talk about. But <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I miss people. <laughs> nice. So I'm really glad about our, our chance to connect. But like the short is short, but it's also extremely rich. Mm -hmm. Like I just keep on marveling at how well it worked as the first stepping stone of a book. Because I think all of the vision shorts have their strengths and i want to see like many people a lot of them expanded i don't know that all of them would be best expanded as a book mm -hmm. because books are different kinds of stories right mm -hmm. like i think the ninth jedi in particular has been very popular but i think it would actually be best served as a series unto itself mm -hmm. or as a movie, maybe. Like, I think I would prefer a series just in terms of the way it sets itself up. Like, it really reminded me of, right. like, right. original anime productions. Like, this is a pilot episode. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. So, no, it's just uh, Kamikaze Doga did such a good job with the duel. It's got so many fun little implications uh, that... I was able to use to cook up something new. And that you definitely did and well, and it was delicious and I ate it and I went back for seconds and all that stuff. <laughs> so that just reminds me real quick, I guess I'm gonna give a spoiler warning here. Mm. Let's get into like talking, talking because yes, uh, please, if you have not read this book, do yourself a favor, go back out, pick it up and read it do the audiobook whatever however you consume your star wars booky thingies uh do that because this is especially if you like the duel if you like the duel this goes like so much deeper and builds such a bigger world introduces so many new characters do yourself ever go do that and then come back here and i'm going to talk all about i don't know the duel part two no just kidding <laughs> uh so here i have a mm -hmm. few questions that i was trying to ask you number one Yes. How many Ronin toys are you going to buy? <laughs> Tragically, like everyone I can get my hands on, like I'm not really a toys person. I like 
I have one Star Wars action figure. It's K2SO, and he's in packing because we're moving. But oh, I also succumbed to this little R2D2 Tamagotchi. Okay, we did like, the same thing. Like, yeah. my wife was like, oh, this is like the most. And then you pre order it like six months ago. Uh-huh. Right? And then all of a sudden yeah. it comes in the mail, and you're like, Hmm. Is this a mistake? Is this no? It arrived yesterday, to? and I let out this wail of glee. I was on Skype with my agent. <laughs> <laughs> my wife had handed it to me, and I was like, oh, yes. "He's here!" Yeah, my wife got hers like this week, and she was like, oh, "Like, I'm, I'm, I'm grown. Like, do I really need to do this?" And I was like, "Hey, man, you want another kid? Like, you know, it's so just do cute. this. Like, I love it. <laughs> have fun. You got a little puppy and a little R two now." So yeah, um, we made the same mistake uh, slash blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not... I, I will happily buy every Ronin thing they make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, we are not like the toy collector kind of like uh-huh. Star Wars people, which is like very, very common. Yeah, like, yeah. We used to go to, I just go uh, when they were doing like, you know, Force Friday and all that stuff. I was like, hey, I'm just going to come hang out with you guys. And they'd be like loading up carts with like $200. Oh, but you got to get the Black Series and we got to get all of them. Like, nah, I'm good. I don't even know Finn yet. Like, <laughs> I'm cool. Like, hey, look, hey the cost- costume looks cool. Toy looks cool. But we do a lot of costuming. So, yeah. Like, I've seen you guys. It's great. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, man, no, I, I'm not spending all that. But then I'm like, ooh, uh, that's a $200 lightsaber. Yeah, I think I need that. I think I need that for the costume. Uh-huh. Also, I'll be in my garage, you know for two months sewing up a new shirt for the new whatever it is that i'm doing i painted up axel wanted to do a cob vamp for halloween so like i got some like i got a buddy to help out with some 3d printed armor i sewed him up the like boba vest we went thrift store shopping found him the red shirt guy i made him holy crap that's amazing so he like went like pretty full out but then like he was at school so it's like Mm -hmm. he's like i'm not gonna wear the gauntlets and i'm like the gauntlets are like the coolest part like (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah. he can't wear a jetpack at school. Oh, Not yeah, I guess. You know, Rules. whatever. But I have a backpack that looks like a boba backpack. So I was like, you can uh-huh. wear this and it'll like fit with your outfit and you'll be so cool. That's and also great. he's like 15. So I'm like, uh-huh. hey, dude, are you going to like gray your hair? Like, what are we doing here? Like, how, how far are you going to go? Are you going like, uh-huh. to salt and pepper this? And he was like, uh-huh. nah. But he had a really good time. And he like, he went trick-or-treating with all of his friends. Oh, this is the first year that he's like, I'm going to go with my friends. So Yay. we're over here going like, so I guess like 2019 was like really our last Halloween as a family. Oh. <laughs> the kids, my daughter's in college now. She's yeah. gone. He's like 15. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'll see y'all later, man. Uh-huh. The day of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we were just, you know, me and my wife were like, let's go have a good, happy. It's also our anniversary. Oh, that's amazing. We I got, love that. We got married on Halloween and we thought we were so cool and so metal and so <laughs> clever. And then like with kids, you never get a Halloween alone. We were taking them. <laughs> I did not quite think that. But like, you know, 10 years uh-huh. down the road, it's starting to pay off. Just, yeah. you know, <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe we'll do better planning next year. See what happens. Uh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I do spend lots of money on Star Wars things. They just don't happen to be toys. They're books. <laughs> they are costume pieces. They are lightsabers, and that's what life is like. <laughs> so, like, we talked a little bit about visions and the duel. So, mm-hmm. like, being able to work on something like that way back from the beginning and then being able to kind of, like, see it. Like, I, I got to uh, read the book in advance, so I read the book before I saw the thing. 
So I sort of like, not like spoilers, but like, I was like, oh, okay, this is what's going to happen, you know, in the short. Uh, I sort of knew what it was like going in, but I can't imagine how it was for you to have got been through like, okay, we got ideas, we got this and this lying down, and then to finally see it on screen. How was that experience? I mean, it's interesting because like I saw different versions of the mm-hmm. short. Um, and I also got the original script. So like my first exposure to the story was the script. And there were some deviations from it for the actual um, uh, animation. And I think the most striking deviations are like the Ronin gets a lot more taciturn. He's much more snarky and talkative in the mm-hmm. um, in the original script. And like in the book, he's still taciturn, but like his inner monologue is very like judgy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, that was me carrying over that character mm-hmm. as uh, he had been imagined by his original creator. Yeah, totally, and... like, can relate. <laughs> yeah, right? He's like, he's not going to say it, but he's thinking it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think the moment when it really started to get very palpable for me was the second draft of the duel that I watched, because that was the one where, like, there were fewer T poses. There was like more actual animation, more actual uh, like setting drawings. But the thing that really like left me breathless was that uh, the dialogue had been around for the beginning, but this was the point where they added the score and uh, the music is just, it's so powerfully familiar. Yeah. And yet, very much in the vein of like these sort of Japanese sounds and just Mm -hmm. like the marriage of that. It's so orchestral and intense and it's just great. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that because I had a like full body vibration response to it. Like, (laughs) Oh, this is really cool actually. Um, But yeah, no, I, the, the very last version of it, that I saw, because I saw three versions in total, uh, was not quite the finished piece. It was Mm -hmm. almost finished. But by the time I watched it, when everything was released for Visions, like they had just done all these little tweaks to make that lightsaber fight just a little bit like, a little more cool in the sense that like when one blade hits another, you see the tiny little movement, the jerk, and the mm-hmm. person whose blade has been hit, like as they're catching yeah. the pressure of it, it's just like all those little details start like really pulling you into the physicality of it. It was, right. mm, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and that was the fight, like the more, cause I go back to Ronan quite a bit, especially like when I was reading this book, you know, like I wake mm. up and this is what it's like in my house. I wake up and I like have breakfast and I like send my wife off with some coffee and eggs. And I'm like, love you, honey. And then I sit down with my ramen and I'm like, I pop on something. Uh-huh. For a while, I was like, you know what? I got 10 minutes to eat this. Like, I'm going to pop on Ronin again. Like, this time uh-huh. I'll watch it in Japanese. Or this time I'll like, uh, and w- especially while I was reading the book, because I was in that mm-hmm. zone, I just wanted to see those characters move. Because then, like, later when I'm reading the book or the audiobook or whatever, I can, like, really visualize, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the faces and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was something that I kept going back to quite a bit. And, yeah, like, the the score in particular, like, it is, like, this very classical style, but there are, like, like full taiko, like the drum, like yeah. the percussion that like is not usually in Western score stuff. Like 
uh, different like flutes. And there's even a little like, not quite operatic, but there's like a choir section that sort of like leads in yeah. somewhere. I'm, I'm, is really I know what it is because it's the moment when this Hispanic Koru is rising up yes, from that yes. big uh, like trapezoidal thing they've got. Yes. Because that that was like one of the first moments where it just like hit me real hard yeah. in the chest. I was like, oh. Totally. Uh, this is good <laughs> red this is gonna be red yeah um, it's yeah <laughs> and that also like reminds me of the stuff like back in the day i used to watch like all those um you know george lucas documentaries and this is how mm. they did and they would talk a lot about how oh like you know he was trying to work with the effects people and the this people and it was like never quite what he wanted but it was like, as soon as he heard John Williams score, he was like, yes, perfect. Thank you. Moving along. <laughs> and this seems like it fits the action so well. It fits yeah. the tone so well. So I feel like if this was a, I feel like the director, <laughs> I feel like Kamikaze Doga would be like, uh-huh, cool. Yes, we got it. Yeah. Nailed it. Next. Yeah. No, it's just, it's such a beautiful marriage of that John Williams sensibility with like, again, like the, the chorus of voices in that moment is mm -hmm. very Japanese sounds to me. Like yes. I've heard that in other stuff. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Red. Yeah. That's that's totally uh yeah. I love it. Um let's see what else do I have here. Okay, this is funny. Why did I write this down? Okay, like uh, B5, in addition yes. to being wonderfully hilarious and deadly and <laughs> has a, fantastic fashion sense uh do you have any favorite b5 moments or maybe even a like did you write dialogue for b5 in your head like do you know what b5 says okay so my sense of binary is that it's like kind of a contextual gestural language okay so you can't directly translate it into english without like inevitably going like well what they mean is no don't touch that but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like in the moment it sounds different because like that's what language is right it's okay. like very native unto itself and um so no i don't know exactly what he's saying but what he's saying is what he's saying if he like yeah. beeps at you in an annoyed way he's saying i'm very annoyed yeah. stop that <laughs> no, put that down don't put uh -huh. that in your mouth <laughs> i think uh one of my like favorite little like touches was uh if i remember correctly when they're on Deckian. Yes. And it's like, everybody's in disguise. And B5's uh -huh. hat is a little bit fancier. Yes. And I was like, red. <laughs> he was like, no, this one's nice. The edges are finished. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, like, there's a lot of really cool straw hats you can find in Japanese history. So, um, I imagine that he goes from wearing his, like, really thatched uh, running gasa to something that's, like, a little more swoopy, a little like <laughs> cleaner on the sides. It's got a character stitched into it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Really like like a silk ribbon or something. Like come up <laughs> blows in the wind and he gets to stand out there with a stick. Um yeah. look, I like I don't want to ask so much about the future of this because I just want to like I want to hold out I want to hold out my hope for Ronin 2. Return of the Ronin and crew and B5. Mm -hmm. And it's a long title, but I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. But do you like in your head in some like far away, distant fantasy, like, do you see like, like whatever, like what everybody's like happy ending would be like, 
is Ronan just like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to like, I just want to chill here, drink tea and teach this young one how to like build lightsabers. And that's my happy place. I mean, I think the ending was the happiest ending I could have imagined, frankly. I feel like, yeah. Because I, I feel that like was, was such a I did that end. very intentionally. Yeah. Like, what I've learned from writing this book, because it's like, I wrote it in such a short time, so it's almost like a really composite version of a, a lot of the things I like to explore, because that's the only way you can write a book that fast, mm-hmm. is if you're really leading into the things that you're interested in. And so putting characters through the ringer and uh, nearly destroying them and then giving them a moment of just genuine peace at the end, maybe not total satisfaction, but like a sense that you could reach that it's Mm -hmm. within reach. That appears to be something I do not infrequently, (laughs) (laughs) but um. As a consequence, like, I wrote that ending in a way where I was trying to make sure that every character who we were with had some measure of that piece that they can pull forward. And, like, because, you know, it's also written to be a standalone book because the future Mm -hmm. of it is entirely up to people outside of my control and even off in a big way to the editorial team like right right <laughs> so it had to be a thing that ended in a place where like because it's star wars also i feel like it's kind of important to land in this place of a sense that tomorrow will not only come but there's potential in it and so the nature of that was just like ensuring that every character had that moment of like I'm here and I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. instead of you no know, kind mm-hmm. of regretting it. Right, right. And I can move forward as well. So when I imagine a happy ending, it's some reflection of that moment. I I really, I really, really loved the ending. And I loved how like you kind of described it there, how like the peace and everything, but it was almost like like most of the characters, like the the ghosts and the regret and the hauntings are all such like a uh, powerful theme throughout the book that ending it in the way where they're like looking forward and letting go of a lot of those things, like finding peace, finding home, finding a future. Like in the Ronin's case, I think he's looking forward for the first time. Um, oh, 100%. And I, I love that. And I just love, and it's, 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 like, I don't like describing these things because on paper, I'm like, and then it was cool. And then they had, <laughs> and that was like, like when I say it, it doesn't sound as beautiful. And I talked about this on the last episode where I talked about this with Star Wars Explained, Alex Damon. And we talked about how like the prose, the way that you wrote the story, it's like, like what I said was it's not poetry, but it's that prose that feels like poetry. And I don't know how to describe it. But it's like it, it feels like an, like an epic mythic poem or it feels like it feels personal. It doesn't feel like a, a story that you're reading. It feels like you're so close to these characters and it feels like like it's told by someone who knew them. I don't I don't know how to like I don't know how you did what you did, <laughs> but you did something that feels so much different from being told a story. Yeah, um, I'm really 
I, I I'm still struggling to figure out how to like accept people going, I liked this <laughs> because <laughs> I am a debut author and it's scary. Um, and also so many of us are so bad at taking compliments and I'm one of them, but thank you. Because <laughs> um, my hair is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I knew for a very long time that I kind of wanted to be asked to write a Star Wars book one day. And I was simultaneously aware that my writing style was not really quite the same as a typical Star Wars book mm -hmm. because Star Wars books, uh, like there's in writing, people will talk about, oh yeah, this is a, a genre book or this is a literary book. And the thing I've been told my entire writing career is you straddle the boundary of genre and literary. I'm like, well, that means even less. Yeah. Oh, you mean I got style? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and you know, like genre and literary, like uh -huh. we can debate endlessly about what they mean, like dark side, light side, because they are terms that are kind of useful because you kind of know what they mean. Right. But the boundaries are extremely flexible and blurry. And I apparently live in that middle zone. And <laughs> Star Wars books, by and large, are very easily identifiable as genre books rather than literary books. Mm -hmm. And so I knew when being asked to write a like a Star Wars book, all right, lean real hard into that genre prose. And I failed magnificently. <laughs> every single person like throughout the process would be like, oh, your prose is so poetic. And I would have to go under a table and be like, I tried so hard to like, <laughs> write a little bit more normal, but no. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. But I love, like that just like, even that now saying that, like to me, that just means like, they picked I don't think like they picked the perfect person for this job like you gave us something that had this unique voice in this unique way to bring about this unique world and I don't like you know look I'm not an author man I'm not like <laughs> you can listen to my podcast man I barely got words but, <laughs> like I know what I like and I know when something can paint a picture for me that I can really understand in a really, I don't know if visceral is the right way, but like it's, it's close. It's something that I can see. And it's something that I feel close to as far, like most, uh, in most books in general, I know I read most of star Wars books, but like they tell you a thing that you're watching happen. And in this book, I feel like it's not like I am watching it happen, but I'm not watching it like from here, I'm like watching it like happen in front of me and I'm with these characters on this journey. And it just, it, 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 you did something really special. I don't know how else to keep saying it. So I'm going to stop you. now, but I really enjoyed it. And I hope you continue to do things like that. And thank you for doing the thing. Yay. You're welcome. I will do my best. Uh, I could have used 17 more flute solos in the book. Ah. Because that's just a thing that, like, as soon as it happened the first time, I was like, yo, like, how, this, this better be happening, like, the entire book. Like, and it did happen, like, five or six more times. But I was just waiting for this dude to be like, yo, I got another story. <laughs> anyway, the Empire, y'all haven't heard. Fox is just one of, I mean, he's probably one of, or I'm sorry, they are probably one of the best and fun characters in the book. But 
Fox is an adept flute player. Do you think Fox can convince the rest of the crew to start a band? And who would play what? Okay, I actually think Fox is not a good flute player. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, you know, like when we first meet them, um, is like, well, this person doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> and, and Fox is immediately like, I don't. Uh-huh. You're correct. And that's, that's actually like another thing. So I've mentioned before that like, they're not just the first thought I had when that, that turned into this character was Kitsune Jedi. Oh my God. What does that even mean? Because a Kitsune is a trickster. That's like mm-hmm. a trickster Jedi. was like, how? And it, <laughs> I have to figure that out immediately. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the other thing, the other archetype I started drawing onto them is um, there's a kind of mendicant monk, like a beggar monk, called uh, Komuso, and they wandered the countryside playing these uh, shakuhachi bamboo flutes. And also, in history, but also in like these Kurosawa-type movies, mm-hmm. they were often a disguise that a disgraced samurai would take on. Like Odoni mm. would like disguise themselves as one of these uh, mendicant monks. And something that people would do when they were searching for these loaning was they would make the monks play the flute to see if they actually knew their stuff. So the fact <laughs> that Fox is bad at it is a joke, like in reference to all that, because like, no, they weren't trained. They're a good storytelling. <laughs> a lot, but this was not their training. I love that. And like, I, now that I like, I think I'm going to go back in because like, yeah, you're right. When, when yeah. uh, Ronan first comes upon yeah. Fox, he's like, I don't know, man. Like, like keep <laughs> like, keep practicing. Interested. Like the Ronin's interested because, like, I think that's another point of interest for his character. Where he's uh-huh. like, this person's not that good at what they do, but he's interested in practice. He thinks that's what's compelling to him about this moment, mm-hmm. um, rather than like a very skilled performance. Like it's oh, you're like putting effort into a thing. That's intriguing to me. Because right. that's the kind of person he is. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The Fox, I mean, all the characters in the books are like from Koru gets up. To, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What now? Excuse me. Yeah. Like, what is happening now? Uh, Koru ends up being a very, very integral part of the, not only the book, but like in some ways later the team. Mm-hmm. And like the travels and the journeys like, ah, okay. Do you, I don't know if you play video games. I do. There is a game that I played called Final Fantasy X. Yes. And in that game, the like the summoner, like the the whole idea mm-hmm. of the game is the summoner goes on this journey, this pilgrimage to these temples to reach this place where they can get the final summon to beat the final thing, which is like the incarnate of all of humanity's sins and atonement. It's like all. It's a very similar in that the world is kind of haunted by its past and the journey ends in this like dead place. And I like in my head, I was like, dude, like that. So I pictured that when I read the book and it was real, like Reizu, when they finally arrive at Reizu, like this lost world, it's like frozen in time. It's haunted by ghosts. It's 
it's really like mystical, magical, but also like it's it's like the epitome of all of that regret and everything that their journey has been, just like it is in the video game. <laughs> kind of like in a weird way. Woohoo! I did Yay! it. <laughs> but um, I really love that. And to me, it like reminded me of of that in a weird way, like Xanarkand and all of that. Like, I, I don't know how to explain. Uh, if you didn't play Final Fantasy, uh, I don't know. I just maybe ruined a game for you. It's old. Spoilers are free. <laughs> Look, yeah, they got the HD version out now, y'all. That means it's been out for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I don't know. I like the, the everything that happens, like, that, like once they get to Raze, once they get to the mirror and all of that, like the climax of the book, um, like it was, it was magical and it was done in such a way that wasn't like, I, uh, I just love, like he, he, like, it was so cinematic in my head, the way he told the story, like he takes the girl, he takes the witch and he sort of like breaks out of the mirror. And like, in my head, it's like, it's, it's beautiful. And it was, it was really, really like, it was visual and it was like all of those things that yay. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, Suffice to say. Thank you. I think that comes in part from how I was paying a lot of attention to the visuals when I wrote this book because Star Wars is inherently a visual narrative. So when you are trying to write a Star Wars book, like one way to evoke that is by trying to be a little cinematic in the way you think of things mm -hmm. and like really leaning into like everything can be symbolism because that just makes it more powerful. And it's not like really subtle symbolism. It's like really overt because that's what's fun about this. It's right, mythology. Right. Like it means everything and it means a lot. And um, but yeah, no, uh, it's funny because uh, the way that I had built uh, Deizu kept on like coming back to me in terms of like, oh, that was probably, that was perhaps an unconscious reflection of this <laughs> feeling that I had or this point in Japanese history or like someone pointed out that uh, it reminded him a lot of some scenes in the Kurosawa movie that were showing like raised tokyo after right. world war ii and i was like oops <laughs> correct but oops <laughs> post-war so, yeah 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 it's uh and like that's and all of that stuff i think adds in like the world like we're so used to a star wars you know quote unquote canon that is 40 years deep and it's this and it's movies and it's shows and there are books going back forever but you building all of that like sense of history into one book that connects to a 12 minute short to me is like a feat that is amazing but it's also like i think it's really like how was it to be able like you're writing star wars but you also have like I imagine it's sort of like a double-edged blade. You have all of this creative freedom because you don't have to adhere to, you know, some of the like Star Wars rules and, oh, no, 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 no. Darth Vader's dead right now. So we can't be messing, you know, like you get to sort of exist in this really cool place 
where you get to pick what you want from here, but also create what you want from here. Yeah. Um, how, what was that like? So um, if you're familiar with fanfic, you may know the term <laughs> AU, <laughs> you know, okay. alternate universe, right? Yeah. And like, I wrote one fanfic in my entire life, and it was mega AU of the thing that it was based on. So it turns out my brain just kind of does that. <laughs> awesome. Like I kept on thinking about what I had done with that AU and I was like, yeah, no, this is a lot of the same pleasure of like taking a familiar thing that has a lot of connotations and then reworking it into something else. Because yeah. in this universe, it exists as that thing. The connotations are only there for the reader, mm-hmm. but it does enrich the experience for the reader. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not that people in this universe are talking about like, well, over there, they talk about the dark side and the light side, but we talk about this. Cause like, <laughs> that's not salient. It's just not a thing. But for us, we're looking at this and going like, oh, interesting. And like, I was doing that the whole time because I'm just like, what would be interesting for me? That's like, I love it, but it's also hilarious to me because like now you got me thinking about old video games, like Link's Awakening, where if you talk to like a certain kid in the village, he's like, hey, if you press start and select, you can save the game. I will know what that means. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's (laughs) (laughs) little cute things like that. I do love that. (laughs) Um, I know this is hard, but if you had to pick one of your, like, who, who, do you have a favorite character in the book? Which one of your babies is your favorite? I think the Ronin is definitely like mine. And I'm like, as the main I'm character, glad. I don't feel he like that's some of, he deserves some affection. That old <laughs> man, that part, he's not fair, old. Fair. I call him old man because Kodu calls him old man. But like, <laughs> and people are like, he's like forties, fifties. And I was like, yes, Kodu is very rude. Like. Okay, I feel personally attacked now. I am personally attacked. <laughs> yeah, no, Kodu's rude. Don't listen to her. <laughs> um, I love the Ronin, but um, the character I wrote for the kid me who fell in love with Star Wars was Ikea, but the character I think I wrote for adult me, or characters actually that I wrote for like adult me and the kind of characters I gravitate to now mm-hmm. are Chie and the traveler fox like those are both like archetypes yeah. that i'm very drawn to so yeah the supporting crew <laughs> like, i mean yeah. i love kodu too she's ooh, i love i love scary sith ladies i love also the ronin because if i see a yeah. big old man i have to make him sad <laughs> <laughs> big man sad attention this is news big man sad um i have like like i feel like like i love them all they're all like wonderful, beautiful. And they all have, of course, they all have like their own stories of woe and like different goals. And like, as you go through the book, it comes to light. Like that, that was the, the first journey through this book that I took. Those things coming to light is a lot of the fun. And then that also makes the book really dope on a reread because now you go into it and you're like, well, yeah, I know what you're doing now. Don't even try to, don't even try to pull the wool over my eyes, even though you did for 200 pages last time. Um, like fox is definitely the life of the party you know like ikea is kind of all business yeah um but also seems like you know like uh, like the the chie the auntie is definitely the person to go to for any sorts of advice you might need Uh Uh, but also like i love the part like a judgmental advice you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah true only look i i am i'm i'm not japanese but i'm latino yeah. We, got, we got judgy aunties too. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know like a lot of people, a lot of people have aunties and they're like, oh, aunties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cross-cultural. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, and I don't know if you have like, like I don't, I, I, I write down here like, do you have a favorite part of the book? And it seems like such a mm. generic question, but I guess what I think, like when I think of like my favorite parts, I think of the parts that really like shook me or the parts that I remember like, like a reaction, like, like the, I think my favorite part has to be when they arrive at the temple at mm. like the end, like that everything about that was so just me on the edge of my seat going like, well, I can't go to bed now. <laughs> um, but I also remember when they're on the ship and the Ronin is just like, nah, I don't think this is a ship anymore. Uh, like, and that's all, oh, what is happening it's now? It's so scary. Like, wow, what a, yeah. what a decision, my dude. Um, <laughs> all right, we're I, just going to do this. Okay. I think my favorite, like, I love hearing what parts struck people because that's so interesting to me. Uh, and it, it's also teaching me things about the way I work. And I'm like, yay, someone like that. Um, but there were parts of the book that were really easy for me to write because like I kind of knew what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. so they're like almost unchanged from the way. And like the very ending, the last couple chapters, those came out basically as they were. Um, oh, wow. And then uh, some of the sequence in the Seikata Caverns and also like on the boat, like... Mm-hmm. Those were things I knew and I liked them. Uh, there's other bits that I like because I worked really hard on them. <laughs> like everything that happens immediately after the destruction of the Dreadnought, like that moment when, when Akia's like, all right, I need to get all of the adults in a room and I need to make them start being adults. <laughs> <laughs> like I love that section because I, I thought about real hard about how I was going to do that and like what I needed to happen in that section mm-hmm. to move from this big thing to the next big thing. And I just really like the way it came together yeah. because I love personally moments where at least three optimally four or more characters are arguing with each other and you as the audience member are like well he has a point oh no she has a point too uh-huh. oh no they also have a point oh no eating popcorn uh-huh. <laughs> that's me like i love that so i really like the way that scene turned out <laughs> yeah i like i I, I love like like the the meeting of ronin and the traveler and then like yeah. as they get to the little town and they're sort of like like the travelers telling the stories and then like they're mm-hmm. also sort of like listening to see what's in the town. Yeah. And the Ron's just sitting in the backseat like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like you know? that bit too. Also this traveler is surprisingly focused. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, like things like mm-hmm. that. I really enjoyed, <laughs> but like the, the, the like, and when I talk about like, I guess I mean like as soon, like from Reizu on, I feel like the book like that was the stuff where I was like, like, was by then I am fully invested. I know exactly what is going, but I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Just like what they, when they get there, what's going to happen. Like, um, so I am like fully in it by that time as well. So kudos. Yay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Like this is a, this is a book that it's one of those books that you can go back to. Like, I know I will. And it's also one of those books that stays with you. Like, this is not a book you put down and you're like, that was rad. And then you like, I mean, I don't want to say like, forget about it a week later, but it doesn't like stay with you the way this, but, and I I have a feeling it's because of how close and personal 
that I felt with the characters. So the question is, <laughs> what do you hope readers take with them from this book? Um, a new relationship with the thing they love, I think. Uh, that was also something that Rodin allowed me to forge because, mm -hmm. you know, I spent all this time working on a Star Wars book, which had been like a bucket list goal <laughs> because right, right. I fell in love with it when I was seven. So it's been like this standing thing in my life ever since. And having the opportunity to sit with it and interpret it in new ways and really, and while at the same time, very deliberately trying to honor the foundations and as much of the mm -hmm. essence as I could unearth and reflect it was a real gift to me and now I have done my best to give that gift to others so I'm glad you enjoyed it I hope other people do too thank you for the gift it's not even Christmas but thank you you're welcome uh, so I'm, I'm good with that uh just like one more thing real quick like the mm -hmm. the like now you've you were there you got to create something really cool now it's out there in the world and it is part of star wars you are now part of star wars like you're a creator and you're like interacting with the fa like how does it feel like how does it feel like interacting with people in that way letting people see that you're part of the family like i know from my perspective having you there listening to you on podcasts having seeing your twitter threads talking about the thing you created, I really, really enjoyed having you in the quote unquote Star Wars family person creator <laughs> thing. So I don't know. How is it on your end? <laughs> it's wild because like I kind of fell out of Star Wars. Like, you know, I was sort of I was seeing all the movies. I caught up with Clone Wars. I'm but I'm only finishing Rebels right now. I just watched Jedi Knight last night and it oh, felt like this was a bad oh. thing to watch right before bed. I oh. have feelings. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I did spoil it, but I'm like, oh, that hurt. That hurt mm -hmm. me bad. Mm -hmm. but, I feel that. Um, I feel that. So I'm being welcomed by a lot of people who actually like factually know more about Star Wars as it currently exists than I do. And everybody's been been so lovely um but the other thing about it is that there are creators in star wars who i have admired for a very long time like writers whose work mm -hmm. i've been following since before they were star wars writers so getting to know and meet them is also just so special because like oh i genuinely love everything you do mm -hmm. <laughs> like in fact your star wars work is probably the work i haven't read <laughs> um, because I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm like, I'm playing catch up now in a lot of ways. Right, right. But um, yeah, no, it's it's surreal, but it's also just something I try and very deliberately to treasure whenever it occurs to me, like, oh, you're here now. <laughs> yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's right. Uh I you you oh, like I wish I would have talked to you like another two or three days. Just to be like, okay, like rebels, like, cause we are, we are like the, well, nah, okay. I'm <laughs> too, like on my high horse. We are a rebels family. Uh -huh. Now my son is taller than me. And so Ezra is like, well, what's going on, Kanan? And I'm I love here, it. Like, I love that uh. so much. <laughs> but anyway, we've got, we've had the pleasure and blessing to go to like, sometimes when they, when they used to do back in the before days, yeah. we did little screenings and stuff. 
So uh-huh. we did a screening of Jedi Knight at Lucasfilm. And I remember getting there and everybody, you know, everybody was like kind of worried. Everybody like it was kind of uh-huh. on the edge of our seats. And I do Kanan like the costume. Uh-huh. I'm like the Kanan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of people who do Kanan the costume. Uh-huh. But like, you know, people who know me yeah, yeah, know yeah, that yeah. I do Kanan. So when I show up there, they're like, well, no, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, and it's, uh, it's so good, though. It's just like the storytelling is really so powerful. I love it. And it's still mm-hmm. like, it remains one of my favorite Star Wars anything ever. Mm-hmm. Like, Rebels sits above pretty much everything. Like, maybe Rogue One is up there too and dark disciple i really enjoy but i like i like i sort of don't split up my media like star wars is star wars mm-hmm. and every media has its strength yeah you no know? i've i've loved the rebels journey for a lot of reasons it's <sighs> felt like the kind of star wars that i really really enjoy yeah um it was like really early on i was like oh these are scrappy folks i like them a lot <laughs> <laughs> i love that i have we were talking about collecting, collecting weird mm-hmm. things. I have a box of tissues because uh-huh. it's the box of tissues that Tracy passed out at that screening and was like, here, you're, you might need this. <laughs> like, Uh-oh. Oh, my you God. Know, at that screening of Jedi uh-huh. Knight. So I still have that box of tissues. Hey. Like, that's part of my like weird Star Wars collecting yeah. thing. Well, that's that's great memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's no, a good, I... great memory for sure. But like. Yeah. Yeah, Rebels is one of my favorite things. I highly recommend it. I can't wait to see your tweets after you're done because you're like, yeah, I have some thoughts. Like they're on the cusp, man. Last night I was like, Rook's here. I know him. (laughs) Then I was like, uh oh, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad. Fair, fair. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I don't know if Zoom is going to kick us out, but it hasn't yet, and I'm really happy about that. But I'm going. I'm not going to curse myself. Okay. And let you go about your day. But I really appreciate you. I love what you've done. I hope I see some awesome stuff in the future. I know you can't talk about things that you're working on, but you know, I'm I'm just I'm gonna be over here in the side little pocket friends on Twitter and just be like, hey, yo, thumbs up from this guy. Thumbs I'll up. I'll let over you here. know when something you know, happens. <laughs> all the best from Star Wars Land. Thank you. <laughs> right, so uh all right. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks and for having me. <laughs> thank you for bringing your awesomeness to the Star Wars world. All right. Well, it was, it was wonderful. I will, like, ping me anytime. Will do. That is how I end the podcast.